God's grace and mercy and peace be with you on this second Sunday in Advent, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It was an impossible situation. For 40 years, Israel suffered under the cruel boot of the Philistines, not low-brow, anti-intellectual people who have no understanding of culture and art. That's the modern definition of a Philistine. Now, the Philistines were an ancient people who lived nearby the Promised Land, but they were not God's people. They did not know Him. They're extinct now. But a thousand years before Christ was born, these Philistines were looting the cities of Israel and ravaging their countryside. The Israelites were severely harassed and oppressed by these people. God's chosen people, Israel, were in a dark and seemingly hopeless time. So often, though, dark and hopeless times give birth to new or renewed faith in God. Think of 9-11, right? You know, how many people all of a sudden became religious or spiritual or even going to church or getting, going back to church? The earthquakes in Alaska. <clears throat> you know, my colleagues in, An- in Anchorage report a sharp increase in church attendance these last couple of Sundays. I'll, uh, I'll see what they have to say about today. That's a good thing because God hears people's cries. He hears people's pleas for mercy and rescue, and He answers. God heard the Israelites' cries for mercy and did for them what was humanly impossible. He rescued them from the Philistines. But here's the thing. He didn't do it by raising an army of Israelite soldiers like He'd done before with the Assyrians. His plan centered on one man, one man who would single-handedly rescue Israel without even touching a, well, a conventional weapon like a sword or a spear. What's more, God's rescue plan began with a situation no one was expecting, an angel speaking to a, a barren woman, the wife of Manoah. Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, the angel said to her. Now, does this sound familiar? Right, it should. This is a thousand years before Gabriel came and spoke those same words to Mary. Now, Christmas seems like a strange time to talk about barren women. But they're a thing. They're a recurring theme in the Bible. When you add them all up, you see uh, that God had done great things through the barren wombs of Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, and He would do great things through the wombs of Hannah and Elizabeth. And the wife of Manoah, whom we know very little about, she would also join the ranks of women unable to have children by miraculously giving birth to an important son named Samson. Now, God gave this son incredible strength. You know, he's the stuff of legend, right? 
Children, uh, you know, in Sunday school learn about him as one of the heroes of the Bible. Maybe you did too. Once, while in a vineyard, he was attacked by a lion and tore the lion to shreds. Samson uh, tore it to pieces with his bare hands. Another time, Samson killed 1,000 Philistines with a makeshift weapon. Anybody know what it was? Yeah, jawbone of an ass or a donkey. When the Philistines thought that they had Samson trapped in Gaza, he went out at midnight, tore the city gates from the walls, and carried the gates on his back to the top of a hill. This final heroic act was his greatest. Blinded and mocked by his enemies, Samson was placed between two what? Pillars, right? In a large temple where thousands of Philistines were worshiping their god, Dagon. I mean, this is like, this is the stuff right out of uh, those uh, Hercules and Sinbad movies you used to watch, right? Samson pushed his arms outward against the pillars, and even though it would cause his own death, Samson prayed that God would let him have strength one more time to be able to pull the building down on all those Philistines. And that's what happened. However, Samson's life was supposed to be set apart not only by his uh, single-handed feats of strength, but also by his single-minded devotion to God. Even before he was conceived, he was set apart to live as a Nazarite, forbidden from eating anything unclean, drinking alcoholic beverages, and cutting his hair. It's funny how Today, we teach our sons to eat healthy, don't drink, and get a haircut. But it's a little different for Samson. He was to be different, to be holy, meaning set apart for God's purposes. To live a life dedicated to the Lord. But while Samson may amaze us with his strength, he didn't amaze anyone with his dedication to God. Again and again, he failed to obey the first commandment and live up to his calling. In baptism, we too, you and I too, have been called to be holy, to think and live differently than the world around us, which typically opposes God. In our baptism, God says to us, you shall be holy, for I am holy. But we haven't amazed anyone with our holiness. I'm not jealous of your attempts at holy living, And uh, you aren't jealous of mine either. We're too often undisciplined, self-indulgent. We compromise with unbelievers and speak and act like them and believe what they believe. We haven't amazed God with our attempts at holy living. But then again, we can't. It's impossible. We find ourselves in an impossible situation from which we cannot rescue ourselves. But God can rescue, and He has. Rejoice that the Lord is more dedicated to you and me than we are to Him. In fact, He is so dedicated, He's done for you what, he could never, what you could never do for yourself. In the fullness, in the fullness of time and at a, at a time of great suffering, the same God who acted for Israel through Samson acted for the whole world. And you.
He did something for you with single-minded devotion. He sent His Son to you to be born. Six times in Scripture, six times, God did amazing things through the wombs of unlikely women. But in Luke, He does an even more wonderful thing through the womb of the most unlikely seventh woman. He speaks His word through the angel Gabriel to a young woman who trusts in God and has not had any children and hasn't tried yet either. God outdoes Himself this time. The rescue plan for the world begins not through a barren womb, but through a new one. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, says the angel. This son isn't a sinful, imperfect child like Samson, but rather the sinless, perfect child, Jesus. True God and true man. God is finished with prototypes. No more of those guys like Samson and David and Moses and Abraham, who are imperfect foreshadows of Jesus. No, the baby born in Bethlehem is the real deal this time. Perfect man. Perfect man Israel has been waiting for and whom the entire world needs in order to have life. No wonder, Gabriel said, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. The child to be born will be called holy. Saw a video the other day of, uh, on news, K2, about some kids that were doing some Christmas program at a school. And, you know, it was, uh, you know they didn't get too much into Jesus and all that. But uh, um, one little girl at the end said, it's about a baby that changed the world. And that was pretty good. And that's true. And you may hear people say the same thing. And if you do, and when you do, ask them, how? Tell me how. I'd like to know. So what child is this? You know, that's our, that's our Advent theme this year. If you haven't figured that out already, we're going to sing, What Child Is This? Every Sunday till Christmas. That familiar song, He's God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. But of course, you knew that already. It's no surprise. But it's still good to hear it because we need to. The birth of Jesus is not a hear it once and you're good to go kind of thing. We constantly need the good news of His grace in our ears and our eyes and in our hearts. Otherwise, we become less and less interested. The child conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary is the greater Samson. His life is also set apart. Jesus never wavered from his calling and the purpose of his life. Also, unlike Samson, Jesus' greatness was not found in his single-handed feats of strength. Instead, his greatness was in setting aside his divine strength to single-handedly do everything necessary to save you and me and the whole world. He had the strength to easily squash Satan like an insect. Yet for your sake, he placed himself inside Satan's jaws, suffering God's righteous judgment in your place. He could at any time have wiped out a world full of people 
and entire civilizations who repeatedly propped up false idols in his face and opposed him. Instead, he went willingly to suffer death in your place. From a new womb to a new tomb, this child's whole life was dedicated to making you a new person, filled with the same Holy Spirit that gave Samson faith, the same Holy Spirit who gave faith and encouragement to Mary. You and I can say with her, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. When the world gives us trouble, we can say, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. In impossible situations, in times of deep discouragement and depression, we can still say, let it be to me, Lord, according to your word. Jesus has overcome all our troubles and worries and has promised us life forever. That's pretty amazing from God who would enter into our world, be born as one of us in such a lowly setting, live among us, die among us, and raise us with Him to new life. Amen.